0: Welcome to the microsoft 365 developer podcast with your hosts jeremy thake and paul shafeline each week you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech lessons learned and opinions in this space
1: hey buddy how you doing this week good man it's been a quick week which is nice
0: really it's still seven days wasn't it <laughs>
1: <laughs> it seems like 12
0: or 13 to me.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of people off. So just, you know, the days shoot through with not so many meanings as normal for me, which is kind of nice. Yeah, ah, excellent. Well, fortunately, we found a couple
0: folks uh, in the office to do an interview today. So I can't wait for you all to listen to that. So we have just a short intro this week. First one, well, the first two, MSAL is available for React and Angular. And what struck me is that the headline for it says MSAL for React is here, exclamation mark. And then it's mCell for Angular v2 is not available. So somebody
1: <laughs> is more excited about React than Angular, it seems. <laughs> the joys of multiple PMs writing blog posts, I guess.
0: And the short story here is, of course, that if you use React or Angular and need to interact with Microsoft Graph, add any platform back resources, mCell library is available.
1: Go get it. And prior to this, I'm assuming people were using open source alternatives that handled that. I, I haven't done much React dev with identity.
0: Well, there was an ADAL one for both of these platforms, which I'm guessing most people have used. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good to get them up to speed and take advantage of all the new goodness. Plus the whole JavaScript implicit flow bits has kind of been frowned upon in the identity world. So there's some new updates. So if you haven't yet moved over, you really should because the PKCE certainly is something you should update if you're using the old ones.
1: It does it all for you. Yes. What did you find from the community this week? So
0: it's not necessarily dev related, but if you are a developer and poking around, Darren Robinson has a post that is what he's calling the Azure AD User Account Federation Report. And he is using PowerShell to query Azure AD and figure out in which tenants your account is a guest. I mean, he's using other terms like federated and so on, but this is certainly something that would be interesting to people, right? Yeah. (laughs) Either is it, you know, where do I have accounts? Or if you're an administrator trying to trim things up, that's great. And the other interesting bit in here is that he points to a PowerShell module called msal.ps, which is not a Microsoft thing, so don't confuse it, but someone has wrapped the msal.net in PowerShell commandlets. So uh, great to see that if you're writing PowerShell things. Now, obviously, if you're using the PowerShell module for Microsoft Graph, you don't need it, but if you're doing other stuff, this is a great way to go.
1: And I sort to recognize his name. He's um, based in Australia. He used to work for Cloud, KL... O-U-D, clever name, um, which is now Telstra Purple for Aussies out there. So, yay to an Aussie being on the podcast.
0: Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, I should have known it says Bespoke Identity and Access Solutions is in his uh, blog title. I should have known it was, because uh, we didn't use that word over here that much.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's an Aussie one. <laughs> yeah. So this interview is really great if you're looking into Teams development, Xenia and um, Tim did a great job of explaining the new tooling. Um, just one quick ask, if you're listening to the show and you've listened to more than three episodes and you haven't provided a review on your podcast player of choice, please, please, please go add a review. It really helps us with discoverability for new audience users. And so we'd love you to kind of just add a review. It always makes mine and Paul's day when we see them, just to acknowledge that people are actually listening to us and we're not talking into a... A vacuum chamber.
0: (laughs) And if there are topics you want to hear, hit us up. We'll try to track down who's the best person to talk to. Or if you'd like to come on the show, we're open to any great ideas that you have, whether it's code or not code, even to talk with Elia. We're really just catching up on what he's doing. So happy to chat with anyone out there in in the space. So thanks for listening. And thanks, Jimmy, for coming on. And we'll talk again next week. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Tim and Jenya. Welcome, folks. Thank you. Thank you. So let's uh, start with a quick introduction. So,
2: Tim, why don't you go ahead and start, introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. My name is Tim, and uh, I work on the Teams Toolkit. I'm an architect, and I work with Jenya, uh, uh, my PM partner.
0: All right, yeah, uh, please introduce yourself for our listeners. Thanks. Yeah, end-to-end
3: PM on the uh, Teams Toolkit and Teams Framework. I work with Tim and, and our, our wonderful broader team who couldn't be here.
0: And so let's the topic of our show obviously is the the Teams Toolkit. So we know you had a big announcement at Build, which is now a couple three months back already. Holy cow! So let's start by saying, what is Teams Toolkit?
3: Yeah, thanks. It's um, it's essentially a set of extensions for your IDE to help you prototype concepts with Teams to, to build apps for Teams.
0: Now I remember a while back now, there was this thing I could install an app into my Teams client that would let me point and click and create a manifest, right? So, is this the same thing or different thing? How, how do they relate to each other if they do?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was called App Studio. That was a, that was the way you would put together your your manifest and the way you would submit your app to Teams. That has evolved in, in this release. It has, has become a kind of a separate thing called Teams Developer Portal or, or just Developer Portal um and and teams toolkit is related to it. it it basically couples with it it's the ide extension that
1: that talks to it to publish your your app so, so historically if we you know for those that have been doing microsoft 365 development for a while back in the day we worked with Chacks chandran who was also in this same org kind of under oh, i mean I guess there's some new faces now but the the notion of like file new in visual studio to you know pick a sharepoint package or an office add-in package and then like all the magic happened under the covers to put the right files in the right places. And then when you build it, it would produce a package at the end that you would go put in a, a SharePoint farm. So is that the same principle is that you're trying to like hide a lot of the moving parts of manifest files and all the files that the, the teams that would need to be able to deploy it in an in environment or?
3: Yeah, I think the the ethos is, is right. You know, developers expect to start stuff from their IDE Certainly, I, I wouldn't say that we're explicitly trying to hide too much. I think we're just trying to accelerate you to, towards getting your app running. You know, we've, we know there's a lot of hurdles on the way, you know, setting up auth, setting up how you're going to host. And, and there was never an easy way to, to launch your app in Teams from the IDE. So those three things we've kind of combined in the toolkit. You, you start with a, a template. And um, the, the code in that template kind of shows you exactly how SSO is already pre-set up for you and access to graph is already pre-baked for you. And it's all kind of, you know, a single line of code to get to, provided that you're using like the F5 uh, in the tool. And, and yeah, and finally, as soon as you create a new project, uh, you can just hit F5 like you're used to and it launches teams
0: and... You get hot reload and, and all the stuff you're used to. You know, back in the day, the F5 experience was always the first thing that was built. And then, and then, and then we got little bit finer yeah. details later. You guys are flipping it on its head, right? So I can certainly yeah, get well, that. Yeah. Now, now you, you said, I'm guessing on purpose, you said IDE at the beginning. So, the, what IDEs are, is this available for?
3: So, so first of all, we should also make sure we call out that we're in, we're in, we're in preview. We're not really like a, a GA product quite yet. We, we're super raw, you know, there's a lot of work left to do. Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio are the two IDEs we support today. Uh, we also have a CLI, so you can use the, it's, it's, it's a new uh, moniker, name, Teams FX is the name. So you, could, you can get that
1: installed on your CLI and, and if you're using some other IDE, that's totally a fine way to go too. And so, and so from the language perspective, again, me being old school, if I'm a .NET dev, can I build a Teams app or are you kind of gone down the path of like Reacts, the, the language du jour, and that's the tooling tr- focus for it? How have you made those kind of decision trade-offs? Teams has always been like a web platform driven
3: developer play, so you, 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 this, this doesn't change the fact that you could have always built a .NET app and sent it into Teams. Uh, it's, just, it's just a web app. So if you're an ASP.NET developer, you know, you're know you welcome to Teams. The new tooling, however, helps you accelerate new projects. In in VS Code, we know developers tend to like TypeScript and React, and that's what we've kind of gone with for the template in VS Code. And Visual Studio, we, we, we'd we love to do a lot more work than we, we've done so far, but the, the, the route is Blazor. So we've given you a way to build a Blazor template so you could write your C-sharp front-end and back-end all in C-sharp with Blazor. Do, do you guys touch on the
0: bot part of it at all, or is that still the bot framework templates that we would use?
3: We folded those in and 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 hopefully simplified the SSO setup for bots as well. So if you The way the flow works is when you launch the toolkit and, and try to create a new app, um, you get to pick which features you want to add to that app. If you want to add a tab or a messaging extension or a bot, for now, those are the three choices you could throw in. Uh, if you do pick bot, we set up the appropriate bot identity. We set up the appropriate AAD and SSO config for you so that your, your bot is F5-able right away. You can just hit F5 and
1: you can start talking to yourself in Teams. That's really cool. One thing I it was really promising was the fact that for those that aren't aware, like you're, you're in the developer division. So, you know, Scott Hunter, who's an amazing guy at Microsoft and, and Amanda Silver and Julie Lusa like that org of driving a lot of the developer tooling all up for Microsoft uh, and languages, you know. And and so being in that org, I think is, is a great benefit for developers because, you know, you're close to all that tooling World, But then, I, so my question based on that is like, how do you interact with the Microsoft Teams engineering group? Like, because obviously they're going off building new extensibility. Are you quite close to them? So that if they went, we're bringing out Foo in Teams, the plan is within X amount of months that would be available inside of the tooling as well?
3: Yeah, very closely. I would say, in fact, um, the the toolkit in in terms of the as the ID extensions were were actually something they had originally launched a year ago in like a prototype form, and when we've kind of taken it over largely and and contributed to it, and and yeah, like we were paired at the hip those two teams, so so definitely. But they've definitely held, like let us handle um, all of the uh, developer like facing tooling of it, like in terms of the, the ID extension and CLI. And they they continue to handle mostly App Studio for now.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they had their great node-based uh, IDEs or uh, node-based uh, team stuff. And then they got to Visual Studio and said, holy cow, this is different, right?
3: <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they actually built a great Visual Studio extension last year that we have
0: added to with with the Blazer support. Nice, nice, excellent. So I want to touch a little bit on on the CLI, specifically around like like SSO was always a big thing. In fact, the guest we had last week talked about how he had you know, some str- onboarding struggles with the SSO bits in his scenario. First of all, when I want to do SSO in Teams, let's start with the big picture, right? So what does that really mean? And then we'll dive a little bit into that. I promise, Jeremy, we won't take up the whole episode on. (laughs) (laughs) it's i mean it's one of the most important
3: things obviously when you're setting up your app you want to make sure uh, you understand who the user is and whether they're authorized to use your app Uh, and obviously to do that you need to do an authorization flow authentication flow of some kind with your identity provider Um, sso is just the term we use when the third-party application inside Teams tries to inherit the identity of the person logged into Teams without asking them for more login prompts. Uh, so it's just a way of reducing the number of times someone has to log into third-party applications. And it's it's just uh, it's quite a bit more involved to, to set up than just regular auth. So uh, that's the part we want to simplify.
0: Yeah, I get that, right? And so if, I, if I'm starting new and I can do file new and I, you do all that for me, that's great. Does the CLI let me like retrofit that into an existing app? It will, yeah. So, so not
3: yet. At the moment, the focus for public preview uh, that we launched, uh, I guess, a month ago now, was new apps that we help you generate. Um, it, you know, so, so yeah. So not incremental quite yet, but but we're working on that right now.
0: Can we get uh, just a, 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 a level of the steps of what's required? So, if I'm a developer and I have this app, what what is it you're doing for me that so that I understand? Yeah.
3: So, and, and uh, it, it gets tricky, right? Because if you're a developer, it depends on what you really have and what who is your identity provider. Are you intending to use AAD for your sign-in, et cetera? I'll just keep it simple for now and say that you are using AAD and, uh, you, you know, you want to log people in with the Microsoft identity stack. What's required is that your registration, your app registration with AAD contains specific configuration in it that basically authorizes kind of in a hard-coded way, authorizes the Teams client itself to obtain your SSO token and pass it to you. Um, And so you have to kind of hard-code some IDs that belong to the Teams client into your registration. And then you have to do the usual, you have to add your redirect URLs and all the other things that belong within SSO config. All of those steps um, we handle for you in the toolkit uh, during the F5 procedure. Um, automatically. So, we, we call the APIs to AAD and we kind of give you the default way to do it. Uh, that we, we set up your AAD registration for your new app. We we give it all the config to be a Teams SSO enabled registration uh, and off you go. You, you actually never have to visit the, the, the Azure Active Directory blades at all. It, the story gets more complex. I'm sure you have questions that are about to to that.
0: Well, yeah, it gets a little bit tough to yeah, audio only, right? So, I uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot the more to that. And and now what you've described applies to tabs. It's a bit different for bots. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I know you guys aren't the bot framework team, so I can appreciate that. But uh,
3: So, the difference is that, you know, when you think about tabs, uh, I think I like to use the phrase, you know, N-way trust, like how many different parties are involved in the trust relationship that has to be established. In the case of a tab, it's it's the Teams client, it's the user, and it's your app that's being hosted. Uh, so it's and AAD. So you know, roughly speaking, if you squint your eyes, it's three or four-way trust, depending on how technical you are. The the extra bit that that happens with bots is that there's now a bot service in between, uh, essentially Teams and, and your bot, your app. And it has to do a little bit of translation of authentic- of identity and authentication. So that, that extra service that has to be an extra party in the trust relationship, forces even more configuration on you, which we also automate.
1: And then if, if you're with that, once you've got that authentication token of that user, running in Teams, I mean, obviously it's going to be you because you're developing on your local machine. You mentioned the graph capabilities. I'm assuming you're using Microsoft Authentication Libraries or MSAL for each language that you support. If I wanted to call calendar.read permissions, have you got ways that you can do that auth hop and get consent for those additional permissions as well? Is that kind of built in or is that a separate flow you have to do within this tooling?
3: Well, if it wasn't, I think we wouldn't be doing you any service, really. like so so yes, absolutely. the The whole point is that the the way I think about this is the the SSO token actually is already some kind of authorization that represents a very limited set of scopes, basically, yeah, the yeah. default stack. and then talking to Graph involves basically exchanging that token for a, a broader one that contains more scopes. And you're typically expected to do that from a more trusted environment, such as a backend service that's behind your tab code, for example, um, and we, we do this for you in the toolkit. So when you um, set up a new project, um, we, we throw in a Azure function for you, which also automatically deploys. So we have kind of a single command deploy procedure where you can just take all the components and they all get sent up to the cloud into the right slots. That Azure function handles the token translation uh, or, or the escalation of writes on that token kind of for you. Uh, and you specify what scope's additional that you want uh, somewhere in your manifest uh, or directly in the, in the call that you want to make. Um, and, and our Azure function does the right thing and, and kind of tries to encapsulate. Uh, I don't want to say hide, but it tries to contain
0: some of this. Th- that's just the, on behalf of Flow, right? There's nothing unique, I'm guessing.
3: Yeah, we do the On Behalf of Flow, and I believe we also support the app identity flow. I forget the right name, Tim. Maybe you can help me with that. The
1: client credential flow. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's like eight different ways of explaining that. We, uh, we need to get better at Microsoft to having one way of talking about it. So, Tim, on that perspective with the architecture side, with, you know, you're deploying to functions, what other moving parts does it push up into the cloud as part of that? Like, is it using app service or anything like that as well? Or
2: Yeah, the, the only thing that we push up for you Behind the scenes is is this on behalf of a service, primarily to simplify the auth flow for you. Otherwise, you have a choice, right? Like in our toolkit, like Jenya mentioned, we we allow people to select different types of Azure resources as part of their application. We support Azure Functions today, we support Azure SQL, and we support APIM. In the future, uh, we'll support additional Azure resources, but these are all kind of like packaged together for you and deployed and, and managed by the toolkit. And I think Jenya kind of hit on the idea, which is the idea is to make it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't hide it from you in the sense that it's not a black box that you can't inspect. You know, it's all code that we generate for you. You can check it into your GitHub repo, you can see it, but the toolkit generates it for you and automates on top of that so that you get a, a really great developer experience, uh, like kind of like a one-click F5 and, and all the parts of your app are, are deployed and, and working.
1: So in in this scenario with the F5, some of it's running locally, like if I had a web page that I wanted to be in a tab as an iframe, that's working locally on my machine, but like some of it is running in the cloud to handle kind of the, the token exchange and so forth.
2: That's correct. Yeah, yeah. We support local running. So you can you can actually run a, a, your Azure function locally as well. And, and you can run your tab locally. Uh, but you can also deploy it up into Azure storage, the, the tab and you could deploy obviously the function into an actual Azure function cluster. And uh, you can F5, you know, I think the implication of F5 is you can also set breakpoints, you can hit breakpoints, you can debug. So we support all of those things out of the box
1: that was going to be my next question. Cause I always remember like 10 years ago doing the SharePoint tooling on stage and F5ing and we were like, just wait a minute. And then it was at a break point and like keynotes would go crazy. So it's so funny how that was a thing back then that was like, Oh my God, we finally got it. So it's great to see you guys doing that even in the preview states with this stuff too. So it's awesome.
0: So as a developer, what other things are in the toolkit that I can consume? Is it just if I when I'm done or is there other goodies that I can add and play with? Right, so you could you could build a tab, a bot, a message
3: extension. There's a list of samples. We also support SPFX. So the the thing, like if you're a SharePoint framework developer, you're typically used to like just creating a SharePoint project from the CLI and doing your own thing. But SharePoint is good at making uh, front ends, you know, apps that or, or web parts, right? It's good at running code on the client. Our essentially with with the Teams Toolkit, you're now capable of just merging that neatly with uh, an Azure function and having all that kind of be deployed for you in the same gesture. Um, So there's that. And obviously, I just want to touch one more thing on the debugging. A lot of us are used to debugging our front-end code directly inside our browser like Chrome or or Edge in the DevTool. We're taking advantage of some new features in VS Code that let you attach to two different sessions in the same debugging session. So you can actually hit a, a front end and a back end breakpoint seamlessly, kind of in in VS in VS Code.
0: So I'm going to go inspect your launch.json file to fit because I can never get VS Code to do that for me. I always screw something up.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. That's kind of the, the the story now. Is like, hey, if you're bringing this into an existing app, the value here is you can just copy paste a lot of the goodies into your existing app before we make it like super nice to, because we want commands to just be able to augment your existing code. Like I wanna drop in a manifest to an existing code base and just let it sit there and so I can change it. So we're going there.
1: And how have you, what kind of feedback have you had from being in public preview already? Like what's the, how can someone, if they get the tooling, how can they kind of get that back to you? We obviously monitor our
3: GitHub repo. It's office dev slash teams effects. So github.com slash office dev slash teams effects. We we love taking issues there. We love looking at stack overflow. in general, the feedback has been reasonably positive about the single-line auth bits, like the the auth automation and the um, some of the combined features like Graph and Azure Functions. But obviously, you know, we we heard what we expected about production readiness. Like we're we're not quite ready for production. For example, our top weakness now is having multiple developers collaborate on the same. Uh, you know, I'll be honest; like it doesn't work super great because we we, we didn't quite finish that part. Uh, again, it was mostly for prototypes coming out, you know, we really needed to get a super minimum value
0: product out. So yeah, hopefully in the fall, that'll, that'll become more normal. I appreciate that you're saying this is great for prototypes because sometimes that's all I want to do and get started. And, and, and I think couching the, the delivery of this toolkit early is going to be helpful. So folks don't think it's going to do everything and turns out that it doesn't. So I, I appreciate that you're, you're pitching it that way.
1: The other question I had was in terms of like what it's provisioning in Azure AD, is it one single Azure AD app or is this kind of creating a few different ones because of the fact of what you're doing with token exchange and functions and stuff?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So there's, there's a lot of guidance out there that, you know, says you should split your app identities between the different workloads of your app and whatnot. I think we're trying to do uh, as much as possible one registration um, where we can, uh, I, th- I think that makes sense. Um, but you know the the path we're on towards this production readiness and towards this being incremental to existing code, we recognize people are going to want to do it a number of different ways, and so we'd, we we actually want to be able to drop in ARM templates, you know, for you, so you could just go extend those ARM templates or 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 call them like include them from your existing ARM templates, uh, and we'd like to make uh, AAD registration similar to using an an ARM template. As we know, you can't actually describe an AAD registration in ARM, which is uh, something we're we're working on. But yes, uh, for now it's one registration and we we will be flexible to, to however you like to do that in the future.
0: Well, here's some feedback from an ISV for you. So if our customer buys product X, they want to consent product X. And if there's 17 other things because of these best practices, it's, it's friction. So Exactly. That's how <laughs> we
3: feel exactly. Like we, we really think that we're trying to cut away all the consent as
1: much as possible. And uh, this doesn't help right? if you have too many IDs. It really doesn't. Actually, it's funny from the graph engineering side, when we look at telemetry of like what apps are blowing up, uh, having one app rather than having to do that virtual kind of like ring rope around a bunch of different app IDs is a lot easier for us to do as well. You know, we, we can, we can see an app, you know, growing its monthly active usage and calls to the graph. And so thoughts thought that's really good. One other thing around this notion of F5 and debugging and pushing locally to your own team's environment is the vision or is it there already that you can package this thing up to hand to a, you know, a production environment to be deployed with uh, inside of that tenant? Is that kind of the plan? Like where does your tooling stop and another process begin?
2: Yeah, that is definitely the plan, right? Like our, our goal is that, uh, Jenya mentioned uh, that we will be supporting ARM templates and so our tooling is targeted towards pro developers who have all of these uh, additional tooling in place, CI, CD pipelines and so on and so forth. And so when you use our tooling to generate a project, you can take that and use Jenkins or GitHub actions to deploy it. Um, you can you know, follow whatever your best process, uh, best practices in your enterprise or your ISV. Like Jenya mentioned, we're not there yet right now but that's certainly our goal as we kind of think about what's coming up uh, towards the fall um, time. The source code is
3: what you hand off, right? For now, like you, ju- you just give them the project and then they would open the project in the same tooling and use the same commands to deploy to a different environment using their credentials. You, you would sign into either the tooling or the, the Teams FX CLI or the VS Code uh, um, extension. So-, so handoff happens over the code, but yeah, the future will be CI-driven, ARM-driven,
1: that's really neat. And how does this tie into the developer portal that you talked about at the beginning of the show? Obviously the evolution of what App Studio was and, and that aspect. What's your kind of link into into that?
3: yeah so as obviously whether or not you're using the toolkit you have to tell that teams developer portal about your app if you're trying to publish it you have to say once you've determined what your urls are going to be you know in production or in whatever environment like how you how your tab is to be reached and what is your public bot id those items have to be submitted through that manifest to the team's developer portal for your app to exist in teams um the toolkit calls those apis for you so you don't have to worry about going to the developer portal if all you're doing is either pressing f5 which by the way to press f5 you you do have to call like the toolkit does have to call the dev portal to create what we call a private developer scope just for you and put that new app in, just into that scope so only you can launch it. Then you can share it subsequently putting other developers in. But yeah, we, we call the APIs with Teams Developer Portal. You don't have to actually go there, but you're still free to go there and check out you know the settings in your app and, and you can even tweak them. Um, but the, the the interface between the pro code and the that UI in the browser is that the next time you deploy, um from code the code will clobber the settings in the ui so right right cuz you're going to pave over it yeah you're either you're you're going to if you made some tweaks there you're going to
1: want to copy paste them into your git and then version up and then deploy and clobber it What's your philosophy on versioning as well, then, Tim? Like with the manifest files, will is uh, an F five gonna? You gonna auto increment the manifest file if there's changes, or are you kind of leaving that up to the developer to do as they choose to? You know, version up their foo app in Teams.
2: Yeah, currently we're gonna leave it up to the developer uh, to do. Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of important to kind of maybe summarize that previous discussion is is really our view of the world is that source code is the source of truth. The manifest file is going to be part of your application, which is in source code. And that's why Jenya mentioned that, like, hey, we're gonna, whenever you hit F5, we'll we'll clobber the settings in App Studio because our point of view is that your source code is a source of truth. That way your manifest file can participate in all of the different dev processes that you have. It can you can have you can issue PRs against it, you can have a dev version, a test version, a prod version, you can do all of these things that you're used to doing as a developer, and then we take our tooling helps ensure that what's reflected in App Studio is, is what you desire as described in your source code. And um, so that's kind of how you can think we interact with with App Studio. I definitely think
1: that gives you consistency across, like, every developer tenant and then, you know, uh, the production tenant that gets pushed to. So many times in the past, people have been caught out where they've tweaked something in one dev tenant it works there and doesn't somewhere else, right? So, that's a, I think that's a great way of doing it with the tooling.
0: So, this dev portal, I have to admit, I clicked on it for the first time while I was listening there. And, and so, we should get your feedback. This is not necessarily... Related at all to the app source or, or ISVs publishing apps, right? This, this is more of a per developer or per tenant thing. Can you give us a little bit of feedback on that?
3: Yeah, so you can think of app source as kind of the next step uh, when you go to publish, when you, when you want to make your app available broadly to the world, you know, in, in the in the store that all Microsoft tenants can see. We you would you would go to App Source to submit your app further, but you know, as a developer who wants to build an app for your own tenant,
0: um, you would stop with Teams Developer Portal. Okay, and then the like so in my scenario, I, I, we have Dev and Test and Staging and all kinds of tenants, right? So if I'm in this experience and I do boom F5 and I use the tool and I get my app. Do you actually, can I do like a build, you know, Control-Shift-B uh, uh, and, and get the Teams packaged and then put that somewhere to upload into a test tenant?
3: Yes, that's one way you could do it if you wanted, certainly. Certainly we have a build process, it, it, it produces a zip. Um, it also produces bundles for all the other components of your app, like your, you know, your Azure function or your front-end code and whatnot. You don't actually have to put those anywhere manually if you're using the toolkit, our deploy commands do that for you. So there's kind of like a single step from the CLI, also a single step, but if, if you wanted to, you could take that bundle, the the, the the zip file that used to contain the manifest and put it, sideload it the way you used to into any other new tenant you like. The easier path is to just change the login credentials in your VS code to that tenant and just do the deploy command.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I was getting at, right? So when I first start and I'm I'm logging into my Microsoft 365 developer tenant, hey, JT, how's that for a good plug? So I'm in my dev dev tenant. And then when I want to go somewhere else, I would just hit the log, you know, sign out, sign in with a different credential is one approach to do it.
2: One of the things, yeah, one of the things we're looking at investing in is multi-environment support so that you can actually construct and create inside the toolkit, whether it's a CLI or VS Code, you can create like a dev environment, a test environment, a prod environment. You can have different credentials associated with each one of those environments. And then you can pick which environment you wanna deploy provision to. And so that's something that we're looking at because it's something that we've heard loud and clear from some of our you know, larger customers that, that want to you know, take this and and make it real. And, and supporting multiple environments is, is one of those things.
1: Are you thinking about it from a flip side of like being able to deploy the app four times in one environment. So I've got like Foo A, Foo B, Foo C, Um, because in some cases like there's no need for it to be in a separate isolated tenant, but you might want to have three different apps just to show or demo to someone.
3: Yeah, totally. And 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 this is like yes, it's it's because of feedback, but but also, you know, yeah. we know it's table stakes. Like we we know uh, apps need environments and no, we're not going to restrict you to changing tenants per environment. The way we think of an environment is it's a name okay. that contains a bunch of metadata like your config. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. We're, and some of that config we're going to want to let you mark sensitive and so we will automatically key vault that stuff, you know, in the future. The, actually, one more thing I'll add just to to tease the future here, we, we're also going to want to build you a, a key, kind of like a keychain of identities. Uh, so even if you're using the single tenant, like say you're developing against your dev tenant, I'm frustrated right now by having to manage all of my test credentials because I want to be testing that app from multiple personas, right? I want to be able to. Be the admin and see what it looks like, or be you want to be you want to be Megan and you want to be <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so we we would like to have uh, an even better experience where we're we're actually going to try to build SSO between VS Code and Visual Studio and that dev tenant when it starts up that's really cool through like a tool that represents all your dev identities in the same tenant uh, from your dev tool that way you can just say I want to debug as this person and uh, it cleanly starts a, a um, we actually start a new browser process that has its own cookie jar so you don't you don't actually interfere with the browsers that you're running that are logged into your work and you know the, so so we we're, we're trying to, we're mindful of that
1: that's really cool on a, on a bit of a, another tangent the learning from other dev tooling in the past was how to make your tools extensible if the community want to go away and do their own thing then you know examples have been you know rather than wait for y'all to support Cosmos DP as a you know as a data platform to deploy to you know is there going to be an easy way for them to extend Teams effects to do that and kind of ship that as a a separate module extension that could be part of that tooling? Obviously, you're in public preview right now, and that's not something that's top priority. But are you getting that feedback? And is that something you're considering? You know, like a few future for the for the way this works. Um, well, let me answer this uh, kind of in a funny way. We, we
3: aren't getting a ton of explicit feedback just yet, which I think should be expected because we haven't built a production ready thing that developers love yet. But right. we actually started with an extensibility model. It's why it, it had to. we had to eat a little bit of cost at the front, but we are built on top of an extensibility model that I'm happy to plug about because I personally drove that feature. But basically, everything in everything in the Teams toolkit and Teams effects is not quite as cleanly separated as I would have liked because you know the realities of shipping code on a schedule. But we do have at the core an extensibility model where all of these things we talked about are actually built as separable plugins, and we have an open plugin model that you can uh, subscribe to. The point of it is that there's a life cycle to your application. And if you wanted to extend that lifecycle, for example, the build command is an event that gets propagated through our plugins. And, and any of any of the resources provided by those plugins have the opportunity to go build their stuff on that event. So you can, if you wanted to add Cosmos, uh, there's totally a, a pretty simple
1: way to do it uh, even today. That's really cool. I like it. It's good. You know, obviously you're a newer team to this ecosystem. We've worked together for a while now on graph SDKs and so forth. But um, it's great to see like learnings from, you know, tooling that Paul and I have kicked around for probably 15 years, I guess. and you know, I've written some of them extensions. <laughs> yeah, I built some of those extensions 15 years ago. So it's kind of nice to see that you're kind of starting at the gate with that. So I'm excited to see how the community gets hold of this. And um, obviously, you know, there's a flourishing one already in SPFX and how we kind of double this down for our teams is going to be really exciting.
3: Yeah, if you look under the hood, don't don't blame us if that extensibility model will change, right? Because we, <laughs> yeah. we have a lot of work to do. Preview. But it's, yeah. it's top of mind.
0: So I went to aka.ms slash teams dev docs, which is one of my you know favorites, and I see a whole bunch of stuff here about build your first app with Blazor and SPFX. So that's great to see. Um where where would you officially send folks to if they want to learn more about the Teams Toolkit?
3: I think you're in the right place. Uh, as a matter of fact, if if you're on the Teams developer docs and if you're in the getting started section, that is how you would start. But you know, it, it depends on you as a developer. Like me personally, I go to the extensions marketplace in, in the in VS Code, and I start there. And we have nice READMEs, and we have sensible commands. You could just file new, and there's not much you have to do beyond file new and F5 to just see a Teams app work. And when it runs, it's it's a create React app with an Azure function, and we tell you exactly that like the Hello World app that launches actually gives you a demo of all the developer features you could use. You could kind of poke around and see the see the JSON response of your Azure function and We tell you where the code is exactly. So you don't have to start with docs, but if you'd like to, our our Teams dev docs uh, in the getting started section is good.
0: And you are obviously early, so we expect feedback. Where should folks go to provide that feedback to you?
3: Yeah, the the direct, uh, very direct feedback is our GitHub issues list. It's behind that repo is linked from NPM and uh, under Teams effects, the NPM package or um, from the Marketplace, the extension has a link to the GitHub. But if you search GitHub Teams effects, you'll find it under the Office Dev org. So GitHub slash Office Dev slash Teams effects. Our issues are a great place to go. Um, and uh, of course, Stack Overflow, If you, we're monitoring that for, for Teams Toolkit tags and, and, and Teams and stuff. So those
0: are the two best places, I think. Thanks so much for coming on, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, it took us a while to get connected, but I'm, I'm glad we both persevered and, and got uh, got together. It's been great information, looks forward to kicking the tires.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It's um, great to see so much focus on this from a tooling perspective. I think having the ability to get up and running quickly and build a Teams app is gonna help enterprise devs and ISVs just to kind of, if they've got a cool idea to go try and spike it, in, and not be a painful experience. So um, congrats on this, I think it's really exciting that DevDiv has taken this on and excited to see this get to GA pretty soon, hopefully. Yeah, folks, anyone who's listening, if you have feedback or
3: ideas or suggestions or, or you know concerns about anything you heard, uh, please go to our issues list and just tell us uh, with a feature request what you like. We, we do monitor closely and, and um, I know I do a lot of work just reaching customers directly. So I'd love to talk to you.
1: Great. Well, have a good rest of the week, folks, and uh, thanks for jumping on.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes.